You playing the foosball behind my back? Second and nine. I'm gonna pump those numbers out. Those are rookie numbers in this racket. Listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. Hello, you play to win the game. Don't worry, I'm not gonna do what everyone thinks I'm gonna do. Flip out, man. What the hell did you just say? At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. This is the Fans Edge Sports Talk Podcast with Matt and Mike. So the college football committee has put out what presumably are the second to last uh, college football playoff rankings here, and they're very similar to our six-pack. I have moved Ohio State ahead of LSU, and for Mm. anyone that questions that, here is my reasoning. Ohio State has beaten number 20, Cincinnati, number eight, Wisconsin, number 10, Penn State, number 14, Michigan, and they have a chance in the Big Ten Championship to beat number eight, Wisconsin, again. If they do so, that will be five total teams that are ranked in the top 25 currently as far as the college football playoff committee is concerned. Now, LSU, if they beat number four, Georgia, in the SEC championship this weekend, they will have beaten number nine, Florida, number 11, Auburn, number 12, Alabama, and then number four, Georgia. That is only four teams. So I think Ohio State gets the nod at the number one spot. No question, man. I do got this question, though. All right. Did you just did you just put them at number one only based on their resume? I think I've said all along that Ohio State LSU at that one spot are pretty interchangeable at this point. I think LSU probably Ohio State looks more impressive as far as both sides of the football offense and defense. I think LSU's offense may be a little more stout, but I don't know. I'm what I'm really hoping is that they get it set up the right way where we actually get a matchup between LSU and Ohio State for the national championship. And the biggest thing with Ohio State being in that one spot, they're basically going to get a bye that first like whoever gets the number 1 spot gets a bye for the first round because I think LSU or Ohio State, whoever is there, are going to walk past Oklahoma, Baylor, or Utah, whoever gets that fourth spot. So that number one spot is so important. But, I mean, I, I think from the eye test, the their resume, any way you cut it, I think Ohio State is deserving of that number one spot. Now, I do have a question because – I can't see how if LSU beats Georgia this weekend, how you how the number one team or the number two team beats four and doesn't leapfrog into that number one spot. You've got one versus eight, two versus four. I think if two beats four, they may get the one spot. What? But, like what? I mean, how could you not? It just they they didn't go undefeated. No, LSU it, would. LSU would. Oh, if, oh you're I'm saying, saying if LSU beats if, Georgia. Yeah, if number two LSU oh, okay. beats number four Georgia, I think that will be enough in the committee's eyes to move LSU into that one spot. Because if I'm being honest, I want LSU at that one spot 
because I don't know if LSU can beat Clemson. I know Ohio State will beat Clemson. Well, so so then, I mean, in that case, then LSU shouldn't get the number one spot. Yeah, but it's all matchups at this point <laughs> because I want LSU, Ohio State, in the national championship. Right. Now, if you make LSU go through Clemson, uh, I don't know. I, I, mean, I do not the know if they argument. have the defense to slow down Trevor Lawrence. I mean, cause, but you could say the same thing about Ohio State because for the past couple times that Clemson and Ohio State has played, Clemson has Ohio State's number. You're talking about the last time Ohio State was in the playoffs, they kicked them out uh, a 31-0, you know? And then uh, right before the playoffs in 2013, beat them in a bowl game. I want to say that was with, uh, what's his name, Taj Boyd? So, I mean... I mean, the thing is, nobody wants to play Clemson as their number one game. It's going to happen. But, uh, I mean, me and you, are our uh, six-pack, our one and four is the same. But uh, talk to me about this uh, five and six, because I think that that's where we, we agree the most. Yeah, I mean, we so, disagree the most. So, Oklahoma being at my five, and the playoff committee has obviously kept Utah ahead of Oklahoma this whole time. But I do not understand how. And you can throw out the the Zach Moss being hurt. That's why they lost to USC and that's bullshit. Oklahoma could have <laughs> used that excuse. They went on the road with game day there, a loud packed house in Waco, and they came back twenty eight to three and beat Baylor without C D Lamb. So you great teams can win without their star player. I, I'm not buying that Utah, that's that's not an excuse. You could also make the excuse that USC, they played against their third-string quarterback because Slovis got hurt. I can't so, say that, man. If Justin Fields goes down for Ohio State, I don't. I wouldn't say that Ohio State would be one of – you know, I wouldn't be talking as much stuff as I would for Ohio State or any of that. But look at um, their resume. So, um, I mean, they passed the eye test. They passed the eye test. They've dominated every team they've played. They're 5-0 and against the spread in their last five. But they've got a tough test on Friday night against Oregon. Right. If they can beat Oregon, their only top 25 win will be against number 13, Oregon, who will probably move back to, like, number 18 to 22. But yeah, so that's going to be an ugly game. The weather is terrible in Santa Clara. It, there's They're predicting, like, 22-mile-an-hour winds. It's it raining. It's up for Utah. Yeah, but look. It's set up for a perfect Utah team where – Oklahoma, I mean, uh, Oregon has had to, Oregon has had to use, uh, you know, their quarterback and the throw game in this. You're talking about Utah where their quarterback and their running back can run. And then since their running back, I mean, we could say that it's BS because he got hurt, but Utah's undefeated when their quarterback and running back um, are both healthy. And I mean, if, if you want to talk, you can include last year they were undefeated uh, when the quarterback and the running back was healthy uh, close to the end of the year of last year. So well, they're undefeated when they don't play USC either. But, okay, <laughs> so Kyle Whittingham definitely gets the nod for the best coach. Mario Cristobal is borderline uh, an idiot because he's he's mismanaged a few games that, that have left me shaking my head. So I think in the head coaching department, Kyle Whittingham, Utah gets the nod there. Quarterback, I think they're pretty evenly matched. A lot of people are high on Justin Herbert. 
because of his NFL, but Huntley has been playing his ass off. He is one of the most accurate quarterbacks. I saw something you retweeted about uh, his quarterback rating. I mean, he's an outstanding quarterback, and then Zach Moss is a great running back. They've got a great defense. Oregon has a good defense. So I think you pile on that with with the bad weather. Um, just the Oregon really doesn't have a whole lot to play for now because they're not going to make the playoff. But I think they would maybe like to upset Utah's chances. I don't know. It it all depends on the mindset of of the players going in. Obviously, they all want to win. But I think being on a Friday night, it does Utah a disservice because if they win this game in a sloppy game, I think this could be like a 20 to 13, 20 to 17 top game. Um, and then you turn around, and then people are going to watch Oklahoma-Baylor that next morning. If Oklahoma beats Baylor by double digits, which they're around at eight, I think it opened up as a 10-point favorite. And I took Baylor plus 10.5. I think they can keep this close. I think Charlie Brewer is going to come out still mad that they gave up that that win again, or they gave up the win against Oklahoma a few weeks ago. But what's impressed me most about Baylor is that they didn't slump like after a loss like that, they could have packed it in. They could have (laughs) packed it in and been like, well, there went our playoff hopes, but no, I mean, they showed up and they've blown out the two people that they've played since Oklahoma. But I think, I think Baylor's in a tough spot here because I, I don't know if they, if they get the win, I don't know in the playoff committee's eyes, if that will be enough to get them over Utah. But I think if Oklahoma wins, I think they'll get the the push over Utah. I mean, just look, they've beaten number 25 Oklahoma State. They'll have beaten number seven Baylor twice. And with it being on a Saturday, we're all guilty of recency bias. And it's the same reason the, the Baltimore Ravens were a six or seven point favorite against San Francisco 49ers last week because we all watched Lamar Jackson and Baltimore dominate on Monday Night Football yet we forget that Sunday night San Francisco 49ers dominated the Green Bay Packers, but everybody threw that to the side and they were focused on Baltimore. That's why San Francisco ended up getting that six point cover and only losing by three. It was a field goal game. So I think we're guilty of recency bias. I think if Oklahoma has a good showing against Baylor, they're going to forget Utah's ugly game Friday night. And I think that's ultimately going to be what pushes the playoff committee to put Oklahoma in, in that fourth spot. And yeah, Oklahoma has been in there. They haven't done anything with it, but I think it's different with Jalen hurts leading it. I say what you want about Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. I know they got matched up in a tough spot against who they play Alabama and Georgia the last two years. So, I mean, if Ohio state retains that number one spot, I think Oklahoma would give them the best opportunity to to have a four upsetting a one, but I mean, I just, I really don't think I, I mean, Utah, Utah is going to lose to Ohio state by two, at least two touchdowns Baylor. They'll probably lose to Ohio state by three. I mean, at least Oklahoma, they may be like a 10 point dog against Ohio state, but I mean, I think at this point, it's all about quarterback 30 times. True. True. I mean, we're, we're going to see, uh, you know, where this where this uh, plays out. But one thing that I do like that you said and what nobody is really talking about or even uh, taking the time, it is hard to beat a team twice. 
So people are like, oh, what if Oklahoma beats Baylor? Just shows Baylor where he's supposed to be there. Oh, what if Ohio State beat Wisconsin? It just shows Wisconsin not supposed to be there. I mean, it is hard to go ahead and beat a team twice. They know you. They know your scheme already. They've seen what you have. And now you have to try to go out and try to present something new. And you're doing it on not not just a big stage when it was then in the regular season. You're doing it on the biggest stage in the conference championship now as well. So, that, I mean, there's a there's definitely a lot to factor in. Uh, right now, all we can do is assume. But the great thing about it is they get to play this week, and we're going to find out who's for real and who's not. And Selection Sunday, I don't know about you, but I'm definitely waking up early and getting prepared for this uh, Selection Sunday as well. So hypothetical scenario, if LSU or Ohio State lose in the championship game, do both teams still get in? No, because I do not trust the playoff committees. After uh, past going off of past years of the playoff committee, I don't see it. I might see it for LSU because I believe that there's a bias, but for Ohio State, hell no. Well, I think if L- as long as they both don't lose, because I think you're right, if LSU gets beat by Georgia, I think Georgia will get that. I guess that would be you'd have Ohio State 1, Clemson 2, Georgia 3, LSU 4. And if Ohio State loses, I don't know. I mean, Wisconsin can't get in. So I think Ohio State <laughs> Wisconsin's may, not getting in, yeah. I think Ohio State may drop to four. And then you may have Utah or Oklahoma leapfrog into three. And Ohio State may only drop to three. But I, I think both teams have shown their dominance. I think they're both going to get in regardless if they lose. The only scenario where I could see one of them not is if they both lost because then I don't think the playoff committee could get by with sneaking both of them in. But I think it's a really compelling argument that there is so much bias so what's stopping LSU from just throwing the game and letting Georgia get in and make the SEC that much more money? Man, I, I honestly, I thought that. I literally thought that. But, uh, I mean, as you can see from what Coach O and Ed Orgeron, you know, they asked him that same question, you know, uh, in his press conference. Uh, what if LSU lose and everybody's saying that you're still a lock to go to the playoffs? He said, I'm not buying it. Uh <laughs> Only thing that we're focused on is Georgia. And I mean, to be honest, I wouldn't buy it if I'm a coach. But I mean, it's a it is a potential that I could possibly see happening. And we all know that, you know, a lot of the I, I haven't really the uh went through this committee this year and and decided or went through and see where all their uh where they come from. But I know in the past years. Most of it has been towards Southern states. So that's why I say it would be LSU over OSU. Well, who I know it's hard because there's just not been really anybody that's done it, but who would you say is the best defense that LSU has faced? Auburn? Uh, Yeah, it would be a toss-up between – no, it wouldn't be Auburn. It would be – what was that? Florida. I mean – uh, they scored 42 points on Florida. I, they only scored I, I know. 23 I mean, if, on If I was Auburn. going by, statistically, I would say it would be it would be Florida. But Florida doesn't really have 
have a really good interior line, whereas Auburn, they have a top-tier uh, defensive line and front seven that has kept them in games. So, I mean, I, I mean, I would, I would like to say Auburn, but, I mean, statistically, it would go Florida. So, Auburn, Auburn lost by three points. They lost 23-20 to LSU. Georgia has a pretty solid defense. What concerns me is they've lost Swift and then they've lost Pickens for the first half. So Georgia doesn't have any receivers. I mean, injury has has and, hit them And Cager's hard. out, isn't he? Isn't Cager still out? Yeah, I believe he's still out. But yeah. their their defense could possibly keep them in check, but I think Joe Burrow is going to torch them. I, I just – Bro, LSU has – it, this is the difference in what this is the difference in where I see why Georgia's defense will get exposed against LSU is they haven't had to face like what three top wide receivers. You're going to have to go up against Jefferson, Chase, and Marshall. I think that would be the first time uh, Georgia has seen uh, three dominant wide receivers like this all season. Right? Am I am I wrong? No, you're Florida, not wrong. But yeah, I, Florida didn't really have it. So, I mean, I, I I think that Joe Burrow really has a good chance to expose them. And then look at what LSU's running back is doing of late. He's coming on. I know it wasn't – you didn't uh, feel like it was that impressive in the Bama game, but I was impressed with what he was doing in the rushing game and passing game and getting four touchdowns. And, I mean, on the big stage, stages, this running back has just continuously – showed up for LSU. Yeah, well, in the receiving core that I would say they probably that Georgia has faced that's been the best is probably Tennessee's. I mean, Jawan Jennings is outstanding. He he's probably one of the best receivers in the uh, he is one of the best receivers in the SEC. He had seven receptions for 114 yards and a touchdown and then Callaway had three receptions for 105 yards and a touchdown. So Georgia's secondary gave up over 200 yards and two touchdowns yeah, just to, to those receivers. Smoked. So <laughs> they they could very well have a, a battle on their hands going up against LSU's talented receiving core. But what's what is compelling to me is the the scores that people have or that Georgia has kept the people that they play down. I mean they they shut out Kentucky. They allow 17 to Florida. They shut out Missouri. They allow 14 to Auburn, 13 to A&M, 7 to Georgia Tech. So, I mean, maybe, maybe they can they can keep LSU out of the end zone. But Jake Fromm's going to have to play his ass off. I mean, he's going to have to have the best game of his career to be able to beat LSU. But with LSU's favor by 7.5. And, a half, and yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I've got to take honest, Georgia. I, Heck no, man. LSU, you, I mean, you got to think about it. There's there's no weather affecting this game. I mean, this is – It is kind inside, of a home game for Georgia. I mean, home game, home game or not. I mean, this is something that uh, Joe Burrow definitely isn't going to shy away from, definitely is going to be ready ready for as well. And, and like I have been saying all season, remember, Joe Burrow's dad, is a uh, defensive coach. So if you think that, uh, you know, some of his success doesn't have to do with him going over film uh, with his dad and his dad possibly telling him different things that defenses can do, uh, 
And, and, and this is the main thing. All you really have to do is force Prime to beat you. Don't force the running game to beat you. Try to force Prime to beat you because I don't think that he can. Uh, statistically, when Fromm throws the ball a lot, Georgia normally lose, especially in big games. So that's what I would I would try to do. Make Fromm have to beat you uh, with his arm, um, not Georgia using the running game because they've always had style backs. But like you said, Swift is hurt. Um, they probably go give him a shot or something, but that that's going to end up wearing off. What do you think Joe Burrow's worst game has been this season? Man, uh, where the touchdown I mean, to interception ratios were not. He only he 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 only didn't throw for three hundred yards in two games. He threw for two ninety three against Florida. He threw for two seventy eight versus Georgia Southern. Outside of that, he threw for over three hundred yards every game. But he had one touchdown. That which which statistically is his worst game. He only threw one touchdown in one game, and he also threw an interception. That was against Auburn. So I think if if Georgia's defense can just keep him out of the end zone on a few drives, I really think Georgia can keep this game close. But they, I it would also have to hinge on Georgia or I'm sorry, it would have to hinge on LSU coming in knowing that this isn't a must win. And I don't know if they're if the players are going to do that because I think yeah. Edo is such a player's coach and he's going to have them ready to win. Yeah, I mean, in, in that Auburn game, I don't know, maybe LSU could have been looking ahead to the Alabama game that they had next week, you know, and uh, – LSU was at home in that Auburn game. But I think that that also taught them a lot. Uh, since then, they basically put up 50 on everybody except for uh, Bama since that Auburn game. You know, they put up 46, which is four away from 50. But after that, I mean, they've just been putting 50 and up. And if you think about it, that was a defensive test in Auburn. Uh, uh, I mean – they went ahead, showed that they were able to adjust, and they just can't come back out dumping. I'm, I don't know. I'm just really excited. I'm really proud of this LSU team and really proud of Coach O and what he has been through, you know, going in as an interim coach, having to prove himself, and then going ahead and doing it, you know. I don't even know how much of this is is Coach O. I mean, it <laughs> say it's Joe, all Joe Burrow, <laughs> Joe Brady, Joe Brady. Oh, Joe is, Brady is. Uh, I mean, man, that guy's going to be a millionaire soon. Did you hear what uh, the the reporter asked hey, uh, Coach O? Say, hey, uh, how would you have felt if Joe Burrow had to just went ahead and uh, wore that name out on the field? Because Joe, you know, did a little uh, celebration with the with the crowd, changing the name on his jersey, but he couldn't play with it. They asked Coach, oh, what happens if he play with it? He said, Joe can do what he wants. That's funny. <laughs> I mean, I, I just love what, you know, Joe, Joe Burrow has gotten the love and support that he's gotten from LSU. I mean, the kid is definitely talented. He knew it uh, even when he was going in, you know, against uh, Dwayne Haskins. He knew that he had power five talent. Uh, people were, you know, saying, oh, he's a three-star. He should probably go to group of five. He knew what he had 
and he's shown it on the biggest stages. So I do want to just say uh, I'm proud of Joe Burrow and what he has been able to do. So around the world of college football, we have a few other conference matchups. Uh, one that I'm actually really excited about outside of the the four power five um, big twelve. Not the four. <laughs> the the five power five. The five uh, power five. Game. Yeah, but there's really just four because Clemson doesn't count. Clemson is a tw- <laughs> Clemson is a 28 point favorite against Virginia. Hey, I mean, Dabo go come on here and get you, boy. That's he, <laughs> he, come get me. Is he not the most annoying winner ever? Like, why are you oh whining? Why are you whining about it? Hey, what do you say? We got to go 30 and no. We got- <laughs> no, just schedule somebody. Oh, man. That's ridiculous. They If they beat number 23, Virginia, they will have beaten – because they're going to fall out of the top 25. They will have I mean, beaten zero top 25 teams. I mean, if you, if you look at their standings, like the AC, the ACC or the AAC standings, no, it's the ACC. If you look at their standings, I think their best team, other than Florida, who has three losses, all the other teams have four or more losses. Like, you don't have not one team that could have just hung in there and only had two two losses. And I mean, we're talking about a conference who has teams like Florida State in there. Uh, teams like the U in there. I mean, this is this is really shocking. I mean, to be a, to say, and I'm not saying that it's uh, Dabo's fault uh, on the, his conference, but they could play like you said some be- some better people in a non-conference if they want to give themselves a better argument. But then, I mean, in the beginning of this season, Trevor Lawrence was throwing interceptions like crazy. So would yeah. would they have an L on they on their schedule as well? So, uh, but what I was getting at is this rematch between Cincinnati and Memphis for the AAC mm. championship. And, I mean, this this was a game last week. It was 24-34. Here they have to play each other again. But, I mean, I like Cincinnati plus these points. I think the 10 was uh, – I think it's 9.5-10. But, I, I don't know. Cincinnati played really well. They kept – they stayed in this game. Uh, the entire time, I mean, it was 17-20 at halftime, and then um, Memphis ended up getting that touchdown late to make it a 10-point game. But give me Cincinnati plus the points. I think they've seen what Memphis could do. And outside of Luke Fickle just being a complete dumbass and, uh, <laughs> like, forcing – here's what I don't get, okay? He thought he was at Ohio State for a minute. Why, why are <laughs> coaches so adamant on sticking to their game plan? If and this is what uh, let me get on this for a second because this is what makes Bill Belichick so good. If he's got the best quarterback of all time behind center, but if a team is giving up eight yards a carry to Sony Michelle and James White, he will run it down their throat until it doesn't work anymore. Screw the game plan going into it. And why is Luke Fickle sitting here saying, no, we're going to continue to run the ball. We're going to continue to run the ball. This Ben Bryant kid comes in and is torching Memphis's secondary. Why would you stop throwing to turn around and hand the ball off when it's not working? It just, screw the game plan. Go with whatever is working in the game. I right. It just, no, I, it I never understand it. Just take what the defense is giving you. 
throw out the game plan. Who? Oh, we're Cincinnati. We're uh, we're a running team. We're going to establish the run. Yet they're giving up 800 passing yards a game. Let's no. We're just going to keep trying to run it. It's just stupid. Like wake up. Some of these head coaches are so dumb. I mean, but but that's the difference. What makes and the elite teams and the okay teams and the good teams. That's the difference. If you go and watch any of these uh, coaches, these elite teams. When you go and listen to their press conferences or their post game, they talk about the adjustments that they're able to make uh, throughout the game, not just thinking. Then they're saying, hey, we didn't see this wrinkle, so we had to adjust. And I, I mean, that's literally what we talked about this, I want to say, in one of our uh, previous episodes, and I spoke on this. The great teams won't just wait till halftime to adjust. They will make adjustments throughout the game and at each quarter, and you will see those differences. Just like, uh, for example, Michigan was lighting up Ohio State first quarter. Bam, they made some adjustments. You start to see that creep down in the second quarter. And then you saw, what, Shea Patterson only went for four for 24 or whatever in the second half. So, I mean, that's what's going to make elite teams great. So I definitely understand where you're coming from where, coaches are sticking with their game plan and not being able to make those correct adjustments. It's not fair to the players either. Yeah. So UAB plays Florida Atlantic for the Conference USA Championship down in Boca Raton. There's a lot of speculation. Let's jump right into this coaching carousel. Yeah. Uh, There's a lot of speculation that Lane Kiffin has worked out a deal with the University of Arkansas. But here lately, we've had Ole Miss and Missouri both fire their coaches. So – we're in some competition with Ole Miss and Mizzou. I'm hearing Mike Norvell possibly is going to Florida State, uh, which is good because I think Lane Kiffin really likes living in Florida, and I think that Florida State gig would be a good move for him. But I, if Mike Norvell wants that job, I would head down to Tallahassee. Uh, I, but, man, outside of Mike Norvell and Lane Kiffin, the only other guy that I, I really liked was Mike Leach, and I just I don't know if, if we're going to get him. I heard he wants in the ballpark of like 5 to $6 million a year, and I just don't know if he's worth that. Um, I would rather, you know, give Lane Kiffin a, a $4 million a year and let him go in and see what he can do. I'm just – my sources have said, and I know everybody's got sources, but I, somebody very close to the program has – has told me that it is a done deal. So we will see. I know it's plane tracking season. Wait, Everybody's you're going talking about crazy. with Kiffin? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it could possibly be. I mean, I've seen one of the 49ers uh, players, you know, and, and everybody has been saying uh, Dre, Kiffin Greenlaw. has a brother. Yeah, Kiffin has a brother that's on the 49ers as well. So that might be some inside information. Uh, he tweeted, that's a good pick for Arkansas. I mean, the only other picks that I can uh, see is a coach because these recruits have been decommitting like crazy. But, I mean, Mike, Mike Narvell, uh, for what I was hearing, was he wasn't playing second fiddle to nobody. And that's what really has him enticed to go down uh, to Florida State. And, I mean, I really – I would have loved uh, Mike Narvell over Lane Kiffin just for the simple fact that He's an Arkansas guy, and he's been here, and he's had success in Arkansas. Might not have been at the University of Arkansas, 
but he's had success and he's known in the state. And uh, if you want to be able to keep players in the state, you have to bring in somebody who's going to be able to recruit, be able to also relate to these players as well. And uh, I thought another candidate that was also possible was my man, uh, Matt Campbell from uh, Iowa State. But apparently he just came out and said that he's staying put. Yeah, he had a few million dollars throw his way, thrown his way too. That probably uh, resulted in him wanting to stay as well. But, I mean, I think he's got it good at Iowa State. I, it's, they, they don't expect much. And, uh, I mean, he was a two-point conversion away from beating Oklahoma. So, I mean, Iowa State's right there on the cusp. And I think with Brock Purdy and what they're doing, you know, Iowa State could, could make some noise in the Big 12. I do think it's interesting, though. The Big 12 is uh, – they're kind of setting themselves up for some success because you heard Chris Kleiman's name again uh, just in these coaching searches. But Kansas State, I look I look like uh, I think they could make some noise here in the Big 12. And then I know it's funny to say because Kansas is so irrelevant when it comes to football, but Les Miles being at, at Kansas, I mean, who knows what they could do. So I think right. if uh, Lincoln Riley stays put and – you get some of these other guys, a few recruiting classes in. I think the Big 12 is really going to be pretty intriguing to watch here years to come outside of, you know, your typical Oklahoma, Texas. But uh, let's talk a little bit about the NFL. I guess you heard that Ron Rivera was fired by the Carolina Panthers. I think that's just ridiculous, man. I really I just, thought he would get a pass with Cam that's Newton ridiculous. being out. Yeah, I mean, and it, it's not even just Cam Newton. I mean, they went through crazy injuries last year, didn't they? I, I mean, don't know. I, I mean, this is that—that's my thing. You—you you haven't had your franchise quarterback. You're firing a guy who isn't really having that bad of a season compared to your franchise quarterback being out the whole season. Well, I. It leaves me to believe that Cam Newton is done in Carolina. And just thinking, which I said that uh, I think a few months ago, but I don't know where he goes from here. Um, I, I, with Phillip Rivers really struggling, I think Los Angeles Chargers would be a good move to go get Cam Newton. Kind of build that franchise around him. Moving forward, it would add some excitement. I know they're they're moving into that new stadium next year, so that's a possibility. I could see him going there, but ah, uh, man, I I would love to get Ron Rivera at Dallas right now. I think with the talent that that we've got, we're losing way too many games. And that Thanksgiving Day game against Buffalo was absolutely terrible. Dallas has a must-win game tomorrow night, Thursday night football. Uh, against Chicago in Chicago, so every game is must win for yeah, Dallas. Yeah, no doubt. Now. you I know, mean, I do, I do think and it's in funny, a way though, that the Buffalo Bills was trolling the Cowboys. Oh my goodness, did you see that? There no. was a clip that was going around and how uh, they were saying they were waving bye to the fans, and then uh, one of the players said, "This is why you don't pay Dak." <laughs> well, I just. I just couldn't believe it, man. Uh, Jason Garrett is just – he is an awful head coach, and we've got to get him out of there. His dad not going – bro, his dad is still sitting back like, hey, we still profitable, son. You're good. 
Well, Dallas is a three-point favorite Thursday night football. I, but this is just – I mean, if we don't win this game, the only saving grace is the fact that the Philadelphia Eagles are awful too. I don't know who's going to win that division. It's like Dallas gets a little bit of an edge, and then Philadelphia is like, well, you lost to Buffalo. Oh, we're going to we're gonna get back in the driver's seat. And then they go lose to Miami. So I, nobody wants to win the NFC East. I've pretty much determined that, that nobody wants it. So, hell, the Washington Redskins may come back and, and win it. Man. But let's talk about your boy Dwayne Haskins that he celebrating on the sidelines a little too much. He misses the <laughs> opportunity to go take the final kneel down because he's taking selfies with a fan. What do you think about that? Cuz I thought it was pretty funny. I mean, it's funny a lot of people are, you know, trying to trying to attack his character. I mean, it's funny Obviously, if he's going to be the franchise uh, quarterback, he needs to have this awareness. The The excuse that I do give him and I've been telling people is, if you think about it, this is only his second on a major stage, college NFL. This is only his second year starting. Uh, he didn't have to go take no, no knees or anything at the end of the game. They was letting Tate Martell do that for him. So maybe in his head, he has reverted to his old training because Everything that was going on in Washington, he wasn't getting no training or no reps. It took the head coach uh, being fired for him to get to where he is now. So, I mean, the kid's young. I don't really see too many more of these mistakes happening. But uh, the Redskins franchise has been down since, what, RG3 had had their his good year there, you know. And maybe if uh, him appealing to the fan base and appealing to the crowd you know, it's something that he could do to spark the fan base up and spark this team up, then I don't mind him trying it. I just think that he got to pick the right times to do it. So going back to Buffalo, do you think they stand a chance against Baltimore this weekend? It is in oh, Buffalo. Man. I mean, it could be it could be in Buffalo, but what, I mean, what my man Lamar Jackson is doing is <laughs> crazy. And everybody was talking about, you know, where we're, we're in the finesse part of the NFL, and this is a passing league and everything. How about smash mouth football? Everybody's saying it's back, but has it really gone anywhere? Yeah, well, the good thing <laughs> I mean, about the, the Ravens' offense is they, they don't care. They can take that show on the road. When you've got Mark Ingram running down people's throat and Lamar Jackson being able to, you know, throw and run. And in that I previous mean, game – Mar- Mark Ingram was catching out of the backfield running for touchdown. Yeah, and Lamar Jackson is outstanding. It, he did only throw for 105 yards against San Francisco, but he didn't. He, he rushed for over 100. So just take what the defense gives you, kind of like what I was saying earlier. He, he just wins games, and I do think this is too many points. I, I think a lot of people are still riding high on Baltimore, and eventually they're going to play in a close game where they don't cover. Uh, against yeah. a, I'm not going to say a bad team because Buffalo is pretty decent, but uh, eight and three Buffalo going on ten and two Baltimore. I think this is this could be a pretty close game. But one thing after the San Francisco 49ers game, I saw a story that one of our listeners, Justin Bishop, 
shared about a San Francisco 49ers radio announcer named Tim Ryan. He was suspended for saying Lamar Jackson was successful at faking handoffs because of his dark skin with a dark football. And I laughed so hard at this because, like, what other excuse could you make? You could make the football white, and no white guy is going to be able to do what Lamar Jackson does with a football. I mean, the dude's just a freak athlete. He's spinning in between two defenders. Like, yeah, everything he is, that he's doing. He is has- the reincarnate of Michael Vick. I mean, it, it just the stuff that he is able to do. It is outstanding to watch. I'm so glad that he's in the NFL playing quarterback because, quite frankly, he wouldn't have made it as a wide receiver or a running back. It, he deserves to be a quarterback. It's a hard transition. I, I absolutely love it. I love what he's doing for Baltimore. Yeah, I do too. I, I don't know if this uh, broadcaster, what's his name, Tim Ryan, actually even watches film. Um, <laughs> I mean, this – I mean – I'm I'm almost speechless for words. I can't believe that someone actually said this. I mean, that, that's just. I mean, crazy. you gotta you gotta blame something, right? Don't bl- you can't blame I the mean, fact that your your defense golly. wasn't aware enough to to focus on a read option. I mean, they were wearing black uniforms too. Wow. So might as well throw that out there. They're. I wearing, mean, they're wearing I, I would have took ones. that. Say he was hiding in the uh, the black <laughs> uniform. I mean, gosh, Lee, come on, man. I mean, at some point, there's got to be some sort of advantage that. It's outside of just the human realm of possibility that maybe Lamar Jackson's like just really damn good. <laughs> right. It's not like the 49ers is bad. And, you know, it would be different. Or, I mean, not really different. But if the 49ers were bad and this was the, you know, the lengthy excuse that you would come up to, I mean, that's that's one thing. But, I mean, this San Francisco team is actually good. There, there is no excuse for what happened. Well, no, and it's not like they got blown out either. I mean, they were in this game. It was, mm-hmm. it was a great game. Speaking of San Francisco, they go on the road to take on the New Orleans Saints. Both teams are 10-2, and two, kind of battling with Seattle for that top spot in the NFC. I think this is going to be a great game. New Orleans is a slight favorite, minus 2.5 uh, down in New Orleans. But, man, I, I'm excited to see this game. I think it could end up being a shootout. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo better come to play because I, I think Drew Brees is finally going to shake off the rust and have a big 300-yard passing game. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping that Drew Brees can and uh, the New Orleans Saints can finally get it together. I, I really don't know what's been going on, but they need to get something together. And to be honest, I also think that maybe they need to go ahead and bring Teddy Bridgewater off the bench and come up with some packages uh, that he could possibly help in, I, especially with getting deeper into the season. That's something that I have thought about. Uh, I think teams are literally starting to key in on this New Orleans offensive attack uh, because we've seen it for the past couple of years. It's basically kind of almost been the same. Well, I, I don't know if Drew Brees is going to – I mean, he's obviously one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL and the best quarterback on that roster. I don't know if you take the ball out of his hands, but I agree. You know, the same type of deal that they're doing with Taysom Hill, I think it would give them another aspect on offense that teams would have to prepare for if they did do some packages like that. But uh, for some reason, I thought Drew Brees hadn't been that good, but that was just from last week where he only had like 180-something yards against Atlanta. But um, 
he actually he threw for over 300 yards in that Carolina game. So he is he is still the the same old Drew Brees. But uh, rolling along to another good quarterback matchup, we've got the Kansas City Chiefs traveling to New England to take on the Patriots, who have really struggled on offense. And I like Patrick Mahomes here getting the points. I think they're going to have a redemption from the uh, playoff game where Kansas City, you know, just let that one go. But um, New England's got to get something going on offense. And maybe against a terrible Kansas City defense, they're going to do it. I just – I don't know. But Kansas City, they're, they've been looking for that marquee win. Um, and I, I think Patrick Mahomes is going to be able to come out and, and fling it around the field, just like Deshaun Watson did against the Patriots' back. So, uh I'm really excited to see that game as well. Yeah, that that's definitely going to be a good game. And uh, like you said, can uh, New England finally get this offense going? Uh, Sanu uh, been hurt, battling injuries. And uh, have you seen Antonio Brown? He's all I want for Christmas. And then had uh, had a video of the Patriots. Is there a chance that Antonio Brown can come back to the Patriots? Because that's all he wants for Christmas is the Patriots. No. <laughs> Bro, I, I just could not believe that he tweeted that video out. He, he is <laughs> not that. right in the head. Not I'm right telling you, man, ever since birthday hit him, he ain't been the same, man. It's, see, we got to take the CTE thing very seriously. Outside of that game, you've got one more good matchup. Sunday Night Football is the Los Angeles Rams versus the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks could very well slip up in L.A., but they just – Russell Wilson, what he has done in primetime games, he is outstanding. And mm-hmm. if it weren't for the guy named Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson would be your MVP hands down. I agree, man. Uh and this is just something that Russell Wilson has been able to do uh, year in and year out. You know, when everybody thinks that there's not a way, somehow he ends up making a way. And, I mean, to be honest, at some points in that game against Minnesota, he was not really getting any favors uh, from his skill players. Uh, DK Metcalf making, uh, you know, some key drops and things like that. So as long as these uh, playmakers can go ahead step their game up, uh, I think they'll come out with a W against the Rams. Speaking of that game, did you see that Russell Wilson was was mic'd up during that game? And the celebrations and, like, his pep talks on the sideline, that felt so ingenuine. Like, yeah, it, I, I couldn't it, really, sounded, uh, it sounded fake. <laughs> I mean, it, I think it's just the way the guy talks. I I, I wasn't able to pay attention or see it because, you know, I was on the road uh, oh, coming right. back. But, yeah. But, it was just um, everything he said. You know, like, it, it just felt so forced. It Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, hey, great catch, man. Hey, keep doing that. Keep doing that. Like, it just – I was like, no, <laughs> nobody talks like that on the football field. I, I think Russell – I think Russell Wilson does, man. I mean, as they have continued to tell us, he's just a different type of – cat man he's a different dude the way he carries himself uh and yeah just the way he talks I mean I say just go back and try to look at some of his uh just regular conversations uh instead of him just you know uh standing at the podium just talking about football just go look at some of like some regular interviews and you'd be like yeah he probably do talk like that so 
that pretty much wraps up the show. We've got some other housekeeping things to deal with, though. I've I really want to do a bowl pick'em contest. You want to get that set up with me? Yeah, I'm Give down our to do fans that. Something we'll do yeah. like a fifty dollar gift card or something. Uh, and then also, I think we should do a live show again at Old Chicago. I think that went uh, really well, and uh, we can get some people out, maybe catch a bowl game or something, do it on a a night with Monday night football or Sunday night football, something like that, where we can go back in the banquet room and do the live show again. So I really yeah, enjoyed that. I Yeah, I agree. We definitely need to get a, a live show. And all I keep hearing from people is we need to get on uh, YouTube ASAP. And what they're saying is whether they, they want to hear the podcast on YouTube or when we go live, they want it on YouTube. Uh, so, I mean, Especially when I went back to Cleveland, a lot of people were saying, man, we want to see the uh, the live shows on YouTube. So, I don't know, maybe we need to go ahead and get that uh, instead of just doing the Facebook live videos. Yeah, we'll get that set up. Well, man, I look forward to this weekend. We've got a lot of great games, both Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So, uh, we'll catch you back next week and recap these games and, and go over the bowl matchups. Can't believe the, sure. the season's coming to an end. I've Crazy, it. yeah. It was like it was just yesterday. It just started. You know, I, I keep talking about, uh, you know, my preseason uh, predictions, and I feel like we just recorded preseason predictions not that long ago, you know? I know. At 20, <laughs> 25 episodes later, here we are at the end of the, the college football season. Yeah. All right, man. You have a good night. Thank you guys for listening. Y'all have a good weekend. Peace.